Today I'm going to be reading just a few words that come from Luke chapter 2, and then considering how in this series of messages that we've been looking at throughout the season of Lent, that we make room in our hearts for Christ. So first, just these few verses that are familiar for the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave, to her firstborn, she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. George Bailey in the movie It's a Wonderful Life is having the worst possible Christmas ever that he can imagine. Even though it seems to him like everyone else in the town of Bedford Falls is having an ideal life where everything seems to go their way and they all catch the breaks they need at just the right time to get ahead, George finds himself on one particular Christmas Eve wishing that he had never been born at all. On the one hand, It's a Wonderful Life remains a popular Christmas movie because after all these years, it finishes with a happy ending. Right? It, it all comes together in the end where, where the people who are around George Bailey come together with love and generosity and sharing the Christmas spirit that they all have for one another. On the other hand, a movie like this remains something that is popular among us because I think there's something there that resonates with each one of us. Something that resonates in a movie like It's a Wonderful Life because there is something in this that speaks to what it means for us to be human as well. It speaks to our human condition because a character like George Bailey struggles sometimes doesn't automatically find everything that he's looking for, deals with disappointments in life. We resonate with characters in a good movie like that when it speaks to something of how our world works and what we face in life. And after all, that's what good stories do, right? They, they draw us into the narrative in ways that connect to our own world George Bailey was left with some disappointments, and let's face it, we've all been there too. So, what's your favorite Christmas movie? What's your favorite Christmas television special? No matter what it is, there's a very good chance that they all share the same kind of storyline. Christmas is built up to be this wonderful, miraculous event, then everything falls apart and the whole world turns upside down, but somehow, at the end, 
when Christmas comes, it all miraculously is made right again. They're all like that. In Charles Dickens' classic story, A Christmas Carol, Bob Cratchit's youngest son, Tiny Tim, is sick and dying. And it seems as though Bob's harsh boss, Ebenezer Scrooge, does not care one bit if Tim lives or dies. Here's the thing. We all know Scrooges in this world. We all know people who have the power and means to do so much good for so many other people, but they don't. In fact, they, all they seem to care about is themselves and their own way to get ahead. We connect with stories like that because somewhere deep inside of us, there's a part of us that, that really wants to hold out hope for people like that, for people who may be self-centered misers in this world, that they would somehow experience a miracle like Ebenezer Scrooge and miraculously turn their life around. We latch on to stories like that because we hope that life as we know it can come out with a happy ending like that too. Kevin McAllister is banished to the attic for an accident that wasn't his fault. Kevin is so angry and so annoyed with his family that he wishes they would all be gone and he could be alone. Well, the next day, as the family sleeps through their alarm, they, they rush to wake up and all rush out of the house to catch their flight to Europe for Christmas, but they forget Kevin is behind. And young Kevin is left home alone for Christmas. He gets his wish, his wish for a peaceful Christmas just by himself. But he quickly realizes that it's rather hard for a seven-year-old to live alone especially when robbers keep trying to break into the house. The thing that Kevin really wants for Christmas in the end is to be reunited with his family, but in a way where they come together in peace and live in harmony. Of course, in the end of the movie Home Alone, Kevin gets his wish, the robbers get caught. It's a funny story, and it's heartwarming because Somewhere inside, we all want the same thing. We all want to gather with loved ones in a way where the, the tensions in those relationships melt away and we all just get along. That's what we hope for, too. Clark Griswold is bound and determined to have the happiest family Christmas ever. He wants the perfect family Christmas tree he wants the perfect lights display on his house. He wants the perfect Christmas dinner to share with his family. And if you've ever seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, then you know that absolutely everything that can go wrong goes wrong. And Clark Griswold's entire world falls apart to the point where on Christmas Eve, a SWAT team crashes through into his house because his brother Eddie goes and kidnaps his boss. And again, the movie ends with a happy ending. We find that in the end, Clark's boss forgives Clark for kidnapping him and restores his bonus and even more. A funny movie, but seriously, can any one of us imagine that if we were to kidnap our boss that we would somehow 
not get fired from our job, that, that in fact we would get a bonus and more because of it. We latch onto a story like that because we want to believe that our own stories of dashed expectations somehow find a happy ending filled with joy just like that too. Buddy the elf doesn't really belong in the North Pole because he's not really an elf. So he goes searching for his real father, who happens to be in New York City, only to find that his father wants nothing to do with him at all. Buddy grew up in a world where he believed that everyone should be filled with love for one another, that they should all get along. But he comes to find a world in which there's a harsh reality that this altruistic love that he dreams about doesn't seem to really exist there. The stories go on. A misfit reindeer is born with a glowing red nose, and so all of his hopes and dreams of being on Santa's team seem as though it'll never happen, and Rudolph ends up going away, running away by himself because he thinks nobody could ever love him. A nasty Grinch thinks that if he takes away all of the Christmas belongings of all the Whos who live down in Whoville, that somehow Christmas will be ruined because he's convinced that people really only love the stuff, the possessions, what they own, that they don't really love one another. The Henderson children always beat up everybody else. They're rotten kids. So when they somehow land the lead roles in the church Christmas pageant, it seems as though the whole story is going to be ruined for the entire church. All that Ralphie Parker wants for Christmas is a Red Ryder Carbon Action 200-shot range model air rifle with a compass and this thing that tells time built right into the stock. But it looks like the one thing that he wants more than anything else is never going to happen because everyone keeps reminding him, you're just going to shoot your eye out. Pick your story. Pick the movie. Pick the TV special. It doesn't matter. They're all the same, aren't they? People have these grand expectations for what Christmas is supposed to be. It all falls apart and nothing turns out that way. But somehow, in the end, Christmas comes and poof, it's a miracle. The world is perfect again. Aren't all the stories like that? Every one of them? Well, consider one more. A baby born in a barn to unwed parents. A baby born into a family that has to flee their country for their lives and live as refugees in a foreign land. A family that eventually comes to settle back into the boring little village of Nazareth where this boy grows up and eventually is rejected by everyone who lives in his hometown. A baby who's born who grows up and one day will be rejected by all all, and sentenced to death. Someone who dedicated himself to loving those who everyone else said weren't supposed to be loved. And he was killed for it. 
The baby who came on that Christmas day came in the worst of all possible circumstances. And even though there's this event of angels singing to shepherds who come and rejoice, even though there are these magi who bring gifts, the world didn't automatically turn perfect right then and there. Everything that was messed up and broken didn't all of a sudden, poof, be made right again. Yet something happened. Something that changed the world happened at Christmas. Into this world that still looked dark, still looked broken, was still messed up with sin. Into that world came a light, a new light, the light of Jesus. Jesus comes and he enters into a world of darkness in which, in which there seemed to be no hope in which there seemed to be no peace, in which there only seemed to be these momentary, collapsing moments of joy. A world in which there seemed to be conditional love that was built only on fragile compromises. Jesus comes into a world like that, and he sparks new life, new light. Jesus comes into the world, and he gives hope to the hopeless by extending grace to people who could never prove themselves worthy on their own. Jesus comes into a world and extends love to people who think that there is no reason that anyone could ever love them for who they are. Jesus comes into a world and brings peace by restoring a fractured relationship between God and the world that he loves so much. Jesus comes into a world and ignites joy by providing the way that we could never make on our own, a way to live securely in God's eternal rest. The miracle of Christmas is is not that Jesus appeared and snapped his fingers and poof, everything automatically became this magical fairy tale ending where everyone gets exactly what they want, the way they want it, and all of our expectations are instantly met, that's not the miracle of Christmas. Even though every movie and TV special out there wants you to think that. The real miracle of Christmas is that Jesus appeared and came into our world that was messed up and broken, fractured by sin. And into the darkness of that world, Jesus comes and shines a light to bring new life, to redeem what was broken, to restore what was lost. Jesus brings true light into the world. And his true light shines upon us. We are called then to be people who shine that same light, the light of Jesus upon a dark world. This is the true gift of Christmas, that Jesus would freely give his light to shine upon us. Throughout this series of messages that I've been doing for Advent, we've been considering all of the ways that we make room in our hearts. We make room for hope, we make room for peace, we make room for love, we make room for joy. At Christmas, we see the way that God has provided all of these things to come into our world by giving us Jesus. So we make room in our heart 
for Jesus today. And it begins with this. It begins with the realization that Jesus makes room in his heart for you, just the way you are. At Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus came into our broken and messed up world just the way it is. Jesus came into his own culture to a people who are cast out and pushed aside by a society that demands their perfection. Jesus comes and he approaches them just the way they were calling them into his grace. Jesus comes into a world and he teaches with parables, parables like the prodigal son who took and squandered away every good gift from his father, only to discover that his father has forgiven him and welcomed him back in his loving embrace. Jesus makes room in his heart for you. Christmas reminds us That God is here for you. God makes room in his heart for you. And because of that, we now have hearts that are redeemed and restored. We have hearts of hope, hearts of love. We have hearts of peace. We have hearts of joy. And we have all of this right here and right now in this imperfect and broken world. We have this because of Christ. And you have a heart that has room for Christ because Christ has made room in his heart for you. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you have made room in your heart for each one of us. God, we thank you that you've come to us in ways that show us that you have revealed yourself to us in a way that redeems and restores all that is broken and all that is lost. Lord, we acknowledge that sometimes on Christmas we want to live into some of those stories and movies that we've heard. Stories and movies that talk about how somehow, miraculously, everything is made right again in an instant. But Lord, help us to see and remember that the real light of the world that comes at Christmas is a light that comes into our world as imperfect and messed up as we may be, that you come to us just as we are. Lord, thank you for making room in your heart for each one of us. May that be the gift of Christmas that changes who we are and changes the world. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.